Hey, good morning, everybody. I'm Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio on May 23rd, 2023. Thanks for being with us today. And a huge thank you to my guest today. I'm going to bring on in just a few minutes, Catherine Holden. Catherine is the 2022 NASSP, National Association of Secondary School Principals, 2022 Assistant Principal of the Year, but she's currently, she got promoted, the Principal of Talent Middle School in Talent, Oregon. So she's no longer the Assistant Principal. See how it works? Okay, she's the Principal over there. And I got to thank her right off the bat because I'm in Maine, across the country from her, it's six in the morning, by the way, in Talent, Oregon. So before I even bring you on, Catherine, thanks for getting up so early and being with us today. It's going to be a great show. Okay, we're going to have a good time today. I want everybody to go over and check out what we do over at ace-ed.org. We're the consortium, Perkin Consortium for Equity and Education. We really do try to make things happen out there <coughs> in terms of equity and access. Pardon me. And uh, we've got a lot of information over at ace-ed.org, ace-ed.org. Everything over there is free for educators. Our magazine, Equity and Access, which is our online journal, you'll see the uh, cover. Just click on it and read through. It's a good issue. All our podcasts are over there, as well as the information on our awards program. And I do want to tell you that nominations are now open for the 2023 Excellence in Equity Awards at ace-ed.org, and you go slash awards. You can just click on the icon there. There were 160-plus nominees and over 50 winners in 2022, and we're looking to highlight and celebrate even more contributions this year, 2023. On our website, you'll find 29 categories dedicated to companies and organizations, products, and leaders, along with 15 categories for educators paraprofessionals, and support staff of all roles. 20 of the categories are all new this year, so be sure to check them out. The nomination process, and this is important, is open until August 4th, but now's the best time. It's the early bird period, and that goes until June 2nd, and that gives companies the best pricing to to, uh, be involved with our uh, awards program. Okay, it's free for educators. You can nominate today over at ace-ed.org slash awards, or if you have any questions, you can write us at awards at ace-ed.org, and we'd love to have you be involved. We really, we had our issue, not the one that's up there now, but the one before this, all about the Equity Award winners, and it was just uh, a beautiful issue with great people and great companies, all doing great things for equity and access for kids and schools all over the country. Okay, enough of me blabbing. Let me bring on who's now at 6.04 in the morning over there. Okay, Catherine, are you there? Thanks for getting up so early. It's Larry here. <laughs> yes, good morning, Larry. It's so nice to be here. And the good news is I'm an early bird, so this is a perfect time for me to be <laughs> talking. Well, yeah. <laughs> in that case, you're going to get the worm, so congratulations on being the early bird. There you know, they always get the worm. There. Thank you. There you, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're in personal congratulations would be last year's assistant principal of the year for NASSB, and now you're the principal at Talent Middle School. So you got a big promotion there. Congratulations. That's great. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. It's been quite an honor all around. And, yes, moving into this position has been very exciting. 
Yeah, and I bet you're good at it, too. We're going to talk about all the things that make you good at it today. It's just great. And i got to thank my friends over at NASSP.org for helping me put all of this together. Okay? You know, I had never heard, just like you never heard of where I live. I live in a little town called Cornish, Maine, 3,000 miles from you. Okay? And you, and you live in a, in a small city, from what I can gather, called Talon, Oregon, which I had never heard of. And I took the time to look on the map today, and you're about four hours south of Portland, just basically on the California line. Am I right? Did I get that right? You got it right. Yep. We're in southern Oregon. So just like you said, just over the border from California and um, kind of a southern Oregon region. So there's a number of towns, and talent happens to be one of the smallest ones in this region. How many kids? How many? many, What's it like? What's the town like? Is it real small? Yeah. Talk about it. Brag. It is pretty small. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's along the the Interstate 5 corridor. So um, Ashland is is the town that I was working in. It's kind of a liberal arts city with a a small state college in it. And then as you go up by five just a little bit, you get to Talent and then Phoenix, which is another kind of small town. And then Medford is the the kind of larger city city. in the region. Everybody knows Medford. Okay. Yeah, especially if you need to shop. Um, And so Talent Phoenix is the district I work in. So we're kind of a combined two two small towns right there um, that, you know, just a lot of good people living there, uh, but definitely lower income. And, um, yeah, just, you know, working hard to to contribute to our community for sure. And um, our district has, you know, one, one high school, one middle school, and then three elementary schools make up the Phoenix Talent School District. And, and is Phoenix PH or FE? Which Phoenix is it? Uh, spelled just like the Big Phoenix in Arizona, yes. Just like the Big Phoenix. Okay, thank you very much. Okay. And I wanted to ask you this, and I had a note here about this, and I know you, you, you're um, a principal of the middle school there. Again, congratulations on that. But I had a note here that uh, somebody, uh, when we were preparing the show, that there was a fire in town and the, the community really suffered from a big fire. Is that correct? Yes. No. Um, in 2020, just as the school year was starting, oh. I was working in Ash- Ashland at the time, but it was literally the first day of school that we had all were jumping on for distance learning. Um, so uh. as you can imagine, the community was already impacted and educators were already um, yeah. going through a lot. And sure enough, a, just a fire started in a field um, just uh. south of Ashland. And the wind that day was uh, very intense and it was very warm, very unusual kind of warm wind on a you know september day and it just the wind picked up it picked up this fire and it just traveled up the i-5 corridor right through like really the center of talent oregon and then through phoenix and through parts of medford and took out over two thousand structures so hundreds of families were displaced from yeah it was heartbreaking um, for the community I'm, I'm yeah, embarrassed. Yeah. I don't remember that. It's three years ago. Forgive me. I'm across the country, but I don't remember that horror. Okay, reading about it, and I'm sure mm-hmm. I did when it was going on. But oh my lord, that's just terrible. I hope everybody's all right. What? What? And, and that was right at the, with the uh, pandemic. What a disaster! Correct. Yes. Oh my yeah, lord. Yeah, it was really. Yeah, compacted some major, major trauma for the community and certainly the kids that I work with every day. Um, yeah. yeah. We I'll meet, I'll meet a fire, um, and it just says, but the Phoenix Talent School District came together in an incredible way uh, to support their families. They they really just did everything possible to set up emergency shelters, and then over time, 
resource banks, and they they continue to keep their families close, even though yeah. many of their families were now displaced into other communities throughout Southern Oregon. They were busing students, um, uh, you know, daily. There were there was little bands or administrators and district office staff who were going to pick up kids. So they really their goal wow. was to, to support wow. their families during that time wow. and, and keep them based in the district. So yeah, it was I'm a huge, my head huge back effort. And forth. Well, huge. And congratulations, everybody who pulled through on that. Okay. And I know you're probably okay. still rebuilding. It's not that easy to do. It's, is it a mostly agricultural community or is there a lot of industry over there? Um, agriculture, some industry, um, and then also kind of a, a large medical. Medford has a number of two different hospitals that kind of serve oh, the whole wow, region. Okay. So a lot of folks work in that. And then uh, Southern Oregon University and Rogue Community College are also um, sort of part of the workforce for this area as well. Yeah, I'm just trying to get a picture. I don't know that part of the world at all, just like you don't know southwestern Maine where I live, okay? And I'm trying to get yep. a picture, yeah, you know, of, of what it, what it's like. Mm-hmm. And it's really, it, 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 it's, it sounds wonderful, and they're going to rebuild from the fire and all that sort of thing, okay? You know, uh, there's a word in here when we were preparing the show. And when you became principal, which was this year, this year, right? This is your first year winding down the first year as principal, right, of the middle school. Correct. Correct, yes, yeah, okay. last year, I, yeah, yeah, I moved from the assistant principal into the, from one district, so I was in a different district last year, and then moved into the principal of Talent Middle School in the Phoenix Talent District this year. They're lucky to have you, believe me, okay, I know that mm. you are a fire, you are a fireball, I know this, you're really <laughs> good at this, okay, and again, you were the 2022 NASSP National Assistant Principal of the Year, that's, that's just fantastic, okay, that you did that, you know where you are. Uh, when you went, when you started there, okay, and the school district's been through a lot, quite obviously. Did the school burn, by the way? When, when, when it the did fire not. Happened, no, was, the, okay, the good. School, yeah, the school buildings were, were um, protected and saved, yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank God for that, okay. So at any yeah. rate, but considering the pandemic, a fire, a huge fire in town, you know, I don't have to say how mm-hmm. horrible this is for everybody, and I'm sure a lot of your staff lives in town, near there, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So talk about, you know, and then you use this word, creating predictability for the staff mm-hmm. and the students. I mean, all of a sudden you are handed a school, okay? And I know you're well prepared to do that, okay? But just talk about the need for, I love that, the need for predictability, okay, in managing mm-hmm. a school, especially one that's coming off, A, the pandemic, and B, the fire, mm-hmm. okay? It's really... And how bad, by the way, how big is your school, little talent middle school? How big is it? Yeah, uh, we have about 450 students right now. Good. And three right. grades. Okay. Yep, six, six seven, eight. Mm-hmm. All right. Very good. And they go to Talent High School. I guess. Talent Phoenix, what's the name of the high school they go to? You know, they actually go to Phoenix High School. So they, they come to Talent Middle School, and then when they get old, then they go over to Phoenix High School. So There yeah. you go. Onward, Phoenix High School. All right. Very good. All right. And uh, all right, so Talent Middle School, talk about the need for predictability. I love that term in management. Go ahead. Talk about that. Yeah. You know, I think it's probably something we took for granted before the pandemic. Uh, I think schools, we, we tended to think of, well, school is pretty predictable. You go to school, you go to classes, you move through your classes, you go to lunch, you do your homework, you listen to your teachers. And that was, that was you know, more typical in some ways. It's and predictable. Then, of course, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. you know, the pan- the pandemic came along and it completely turned us all upside down on our heads. We just nothing was predictable mm-hmm. anymore. We didn't we didn't understand exactly what we were doing. Um we were inventing it as we were going. We were, you know, trying to care for our students and families as much as we could, but often doing that through maybe a distance learning situation or a hybrid situation. And each one of those things felt unpredictable. And I think we all as educators experienced this feeling of what, you know, how it is when you don't really know what's coming, even maybe day to day sometimes, and how hard that is for, you know, our minds and bodies to feel settled and ready certainly to learn, which then we can understand for our students made it much more challenging for them to be present um, with their school experience. And so for me, as I, as I came into this new position, and like you said, Larry, I appreciate your, your uh, belief in me, but it was, a, it was a new situation for sure coming into a community oh, that had experienced so much absolutely. You know, unpredictability and trauma. It's traumatic. Um, I mean, it's, it's, there's no other word to describe it. You know, a fire and the mm-hmm. pandemic is a traumatic, it's a traumatic experience. And and you know, yeah. here here's 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 Ms. Holden coming in. All right, Doc, <laughs> is it Doctor Holden or Miss Holden? I don't even know. Miss Miss Holden. Yep, you got it. Okay, yep. I want you to know yep. that if you apply to the University of Larry, I will give you a doctorate by this afternoon. No problem. <laughs> thank you. Thank okay, you. no problem. Thank Call yourself you. Dr. Holden from now on. Okay, it's very <laughs> simple. Uh, it's on Twitter, it's a 140-character uh, doctoral thesis. That's all you need to do, and you'll be Dr. Holden <laughs> by this afternoon. And with a three-hour time difference, no less. At the University of Larry, I'll even send you a letter sweater. Okay, so Ms. Holden, yes. Go ahead. Oh, well, th- thank you, Larry. You're welcome. Um, You're welcome, doctor. So, yes. <laughs> So coming into this, yes, it it was collective trauma for sure with the whole community. So my goal really was um, just to create literally a predictable environment that the students, um, you know, I wanted them to be able to come into school, know what was expected and and feel a calm and feel a sense of comfort because of that. Um, and so it was, it was from the beginning, really day one, I just remember saying, I just want to create a calm, comfortable, predictable environment that feels safe and then can be effective for learning. And that was the mantra that I spoke to staff about every day and parents and mm. students. And really, we started with just, again, coming back to kind of our foundation. Um, I asked teachers to really think about their classroom routines um, what I call student habits in terms of what they what they want from their students and what they want to develop in their students when it comes, you know, between literally the students walking into their classroom, what do they expect from the students in that moment, what do they expect from the students throughout the time in the classroom. And so we mm-hmm. did student habit rubric, rub, rubrics that really clearly outline those expectations for students. Um, I've done a lot of rubric work over the last 10 years. And so helping teachers get clear so that they can then be clear with their students. I think sometimes in education, we too often teachers might say, well, I know it when I see it, uh, but we really need to get clear with our students about what that looks like so that students can be successful. And then use those same talking points. I agree with you. I always say, you know, and I just don't interrupt, I always say a lot of education is anecdotal. Okay, you just kind of (laughs) feel it, you know it, you you see what's going on. You You know, you may not be able to put it into words, but you know it. Okay, that's that's an educator. There's an art to that. Okay, and it comes with mm-hmm. years of experience. But when things are turned upside down, okay, we have to get the. That's mm-hmm. why I love what you did. You have to get the, the things right in order and make them work. 
so that everybody's not running mm-hmm. willy-nilly according to their instinct, okay? But that mm-hmm. there's a pattern in there that we, that we feel comfortable with. And, you know, there's another mm-hmm. interesting side of this. And you were from a d- different district. So all mm-hmm. of this, you, you come into the, to a, to a school district that has faced some trauma, okay? And you're the new mm-hmm. principal, okay? You're in charge. You, you, you be the boss, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. All right? And, but you've got to make people feel comfortable, as you well know, with your leadership style, all right? And, mm-hmm. and, and what you said, you know, struck me. There's so many – everybody I talk to, they're always talking about social-emotional learning, which we are firm believers in its strong social-emotional mm-hmm. learning. And when you describe this predictability aspect, okay, it's, it, it was basically a crash course in social-emotional learning. It, it, what, mm-hmm. what, do you agree? What do you think? What's going on with that? Yeah, absolutely. No, I think it, for me it comes very much both social-emotional learning and trauma-informed education. Uh, yeah. um, I think it's about that. foundational yeah, that, when it comes yeah. to – you know, a student when when a student walks in and it doesn't feel predictable, it's, it almost immediately can dysregulate students and adults. I think you know when we walk into a situation where things seem off, or we're not sure what's going to happen next, or we're not sure the like you said the pattern or the routine or the flow of what's happening, then our nervous system goes into that dysregulated yeah. state just because we feel like we have to be more observant or maybe you know more alert. Um, whereas what we want, of course, when people are learning is we want them to feel settled in their bodies and, and relaxed so that they can feel more comfortable to take risks. And, you know, one thing I wanted to say, and you said that earlier that, um, you know, anecdotally, sometimes that feeling, like we know education yeah. and good yeah. learning is happening. But I will say that's for, you know, maybe a, the smaller portion of our students, I just want to point out, right, maybe can read into or understand from kind of a cultural perspective, you know, what is this teacher looking for, or what am I supposed to be mm-hmm. doing, or what is the expectation? And I think yeah. as educators, we need to broad, broaden our perspective when it comes to culturally responsive teaching, too, and thinking about, we have different kids coming from all different walks of life, different cultural backgrounds, and they, it may not be as obvious to all of our students, um, you know, what it is a teacher is looking for. And so, again, that's where I, I really encourage educators to articulate what they're looking for, whether it's a content skill or whether it's a behavior, um, so that we can be culturally responsive when it comes to knowing that not all students walk into our classrooms kind of inherently understanding what it means to be a student or what, it, what the teacher is looking for. Um, so, yeah, I think it goes back to, again, creating that safe, predictable, comfortable environment for our students who, when they're in our classrooms, they feel like there is a support net around them so that they can be successful. They want to try. They want to take risks. They want to have a growth mindset. And it just builds from there once you've created that atmosphere. Yeah, it really does. And, and how hard was it? Okay. And, and you're, again, you're good at this, Catherine. Okay. How, how hard was it to talk to the teachers about this? And I was a teacher for years. Okay. The, a new principal comes in. That's a major change. All right. That, that, that really is. You never know what, that's a, as a, I'll speak as a teacher, you never know what's going to come down the pike with a new principal. Will we get along? That sort of thing. What, what are they going to throw at us? You know, you go, you've been there. Okay. You know, you know, all that sort of stuff. Okay. So how did you, and again, you know what you're doing. Your first year as principal, though you have a long experience as an assistant principal. Okay. How did you make them feel really comfortable? Okay. With, with all mm-hmm. of this. 
What'd you do? Yeah. Now, give us your I secret. Give your us your experience. secret. Share the secret. The magic sauce. Uh, I appreciate your experience there. You you clearly are no stranger to education. And like you said, having a yeah. new principal come in is, is pretty unsettling just right off the bat for some people. Yeah, because, it is. Like you said, the, it is. The, they just they don't know what's coming um you know my goal was like i said from the beginning was just creating um this sort of sense of calm and i i talked to teachers a lot about that but i think what can be maybe perhaps sometimes in conflict is you know sometimes teachers want to create their own sense of routine or predictability within their classroom and i was asking us to think from a school-wide perspective too so that you know, some of those things within individual classrooms had to also overlap with those things that we were trying to create across the board. Um, I think this staff in particular was positioned, be, you know, they wanted someone who was going to lead in a way that helped create some consistency. They had had different administrative teams the last couple of years. So in addition to me being a new principal, um, they had had some change in leadership over the last couple of years as well. So. I think they were looking for yeah. someone who was going to create some stability. Um, so I really appreciated that their willingness, I guess, to maybe trust me kind of from the beginning. And I think my, nice. If, nice. if any secret sauce was that I just really <laughs> tried to stay very consistent. Um, I didn't, you know, once I kind of chose this mission and path around calm, comfortable, and predictable, I stuck with that, even when it was, you know, even within – the first few months when it still didn't maybe feel completely um, predictable and stable, <laughs> I stuck with it. I didn't mm-hmm. change course. Good, good. And I really kind of just it. assured them that, you know, we were moving in the right direction. It was going to take time that I, you know, just needed them to continue to kind of follow me in this vision. And they were willing to do that, which, of course, I appreciated. Um, and but I think, you know, working. also it's for working. me, yes. Yes, and I think you know, for me, giving them a lot of um, clear, consistent communication with a with a nice long runway. I think sometimes too often, especially in the last couple oh, of years, boy. we were we were throwing a lot of different information at our teachers, kind of that felt almost very last minute sometimes, and asking them to um, adjust or change. You know, even the next morning, we might have asked them to do something different. And so this whole year, mm-hmm. I've been trying to make sure that I'm sending them information, you know, well in advance. I stay the course, I kind of make sure that I'm not asking them to readjust at the last minute. And I think that goes a long way, again, for just everyone's nervous system and that feeling of they know what's coming, they know that that they can be prepared. You know, teachers generally like to be kind of have a plan and be prepared, and so they appreciate having that time to um, do their best work by having, you know, enough time to be, be prepared and ready for what's coming. Yeah, you know, it's just so important, and I always like to say we're always concerned as educators, especially public school educators, about communicating with the parents and communicating with mm-hmm. the families and all that sort of thing. But one of the keys to a good school district is also, and everybody has to realize this, internal communication. Internal communication, mm-hmm. like you were just describing, is extremely important. Okay, because if everybody's not on the same page and moving in the same direction, okay, it's going to create havoc out there. And the havoc rests on the kids. Okay, that's where it shows Mm -hmm. up. Okay, and you talk about crazy times. This is why the social emotional path is is so darn important. Everybody kind of recognizes that. This is really cool. I have a fun question for you. You know, you were assistant. How long were you assistant assistant principal, excuse me, up in Phoenix? How long were 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 you assistant principal? 
Yep, I was the assistant principal at Ashland Middle School for seven years. Oh, so Ashland, that, that was, at Ashland. Yep, yep Sorry. that's okay. Yeah. Yep, yep. No, for seven so I worked years? with an amazing, amazing team at Ashland Middle School for seven years as the assistant principal. Yep, so five, five great years, and then two hard years <laughs> with the pandemic. <laughs> it's like the, it's like the old joke. I've been I've been I've been married for thirty happy years. Unfortunately, it's our fiftieth anniversary. So you know that kind of joke. Okay. Okay. So you were up there. Okay. So now you were principal. This is a fun question. What do What do you see as the big difference between being the assistant principal and the principal? (laughs) I can't get out of principal. Yeah. It is a fun question. Um, You know, I loved being an assistant principal, and I think part of that was because I, I felt, yeah. you know, so much of being an assistant principal for me was getting to um, kind of own and elevate pieces that were already um, in place, but then just making them better. So I'm I'm someone who just, I love to take something and improve on it or make it better. Um, and so as an assistant principal, I felt like oftentimes my lens was getting to see these little pockets or areas that were, like I said, already functioning or already doing well. And then I, I got to put a creative twist on it or, um, you know, make an even better system for it or kind of um, give, give the teachers support in ways that they were then just uh, really, really appreciated and taken by. And so as an assistant principal, I, I got to do that a lot. We did an amazing initiative during that time, too, some systems change work. And um, so I was just getting to really dive into improving systems. Um, I think the big difference with being a principal is that, like they say, everything, you know, everything <laughs> lands on you yeah, it in, does. in the end. It does. So the, the, the buck kind of stops with you. And, I'm just um, going to say. You know, this, <laughs> this year was definitely, like I said, a rebuilding year. So we were starting, there's a lot of foundational work that needed to be done. And um, so I think, you know, the challenge of being a principal is, is picking your priorities. And there's, a, there's oftentimes a lot of priorities and sometimes conflicting priorities. And so um, I think for me, just, yeah, feeling like in the principal role, there's a lot of, of course, decision-making and kind of quick thinking, and people have a lot of needs um, that you need to, you know, kind of quickly respond to. And so it's, um, yeah, I've had to just stay, you know, very focused and very committed to kind of, like I said, that one clear path. Otherwise, I'm, you know, a lot of different conflicting priorities, you know, can sort of sway, sway your energy. So. Um, I'm really looking forward to next year now that we have a, a stronger foundation in place because I yeah, think I'll get yeah. to be able to move move back into some of that creativity when it comes when it comes to improving and elevating and um, refining some of our some of our systems. That'll that'll make it even more fun for me. Was there a, was there a difference to you in the type of students you were dealing with? Okay, and I, I know we, I I know that you are a person who's very student oriented. Okay, and I mm-hmm. think that you're the kind of person who likes to use it, what we call student voice, to help them sort of mm-hmm. manage the situation. Okay, and mm-hmm. it's always important to talk to the consumers, as like I always say, that's what Walmart does. Yeah. Look at them. Okay, they're doing fine. All right, so you know, as you talk about the students and their role in the way you manage the school. Yeah, yeah. No, we have an amazing uh, population at Talent Middle School. I came from. Ashland Middle School was less diverse and a lot more support from um, parents and community for the school district in Ashland. So uh, talent is 
uh, district. It's it's much more diverse. Um, we have a, about half of our students are students of color. Uh, about more than Gosh. half of our students are students on free and reduced lunch. And um, okay. definitely when it comes to kind that's of the achievement average, gap. By the way. We, yeah. Yeah, that's what mm-hmm. I hear all the time. Yeah. 70%. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, and we have, we have a lot of students yeah. who are below grade level in math and reading, though, and so there's oh. a lot of opportunity to support their learning right now, um, whereas in my previous district, we, we had students who were performing at grade level. And so, yeah, for me, it's been really, really amazing to get to know this community and understand the needs and, like you said, listen to that student voice and see what it is they need. Yeah. Uh, to engage with with school, um, like I said, because of all the displacement, um, certainly there was a lot of families and students who were not engaged with school the last couple of years because that just couldn't be their their main priority, given that they were really needing to focus on some resource needs yeah. and you know, yeah. getting to really understand what it is that you know, wow. makes these students excited excited to come to school and the activities that they're involved in. Um, we've we've gotten some of our programs back up and running. We just uh, had a solar car club that finished up oh, last week. Wow. So there was kids staying after school to build solar cars together with two of our teachers. Um, we have a, yeah. a good band program, cool. so a lot of kids playing music. Yeah, so a lot of exciting things, um, that, and we just want to keep building on that. I think there's, like I said, still a lot of opportunity to re- rebuild and bring back some of those things that are so important to kids, especially at the middle school level where they're starting to explore some of their passions and and, and maybe just starting to find their voice in a lot yeah, of ways. Exactly. So wanting exactly. To middle that. school's tough. Middle school's tough because it's it's a three year experience. <clears throat> Excuse me. The first year you're new, and the last year uh-huh. you're planning on leaving to go to the high school. So there's really exactly right. one year where you're settled. That's why middle school. One of the reasons it's so tough. Okay, it's mm-hmm. it's a transition yeah. period. Okay, and people people have to understand that. And you said that the kids are a little bit behind in math, and then you said that they love music. And I remind everybody who says that that music is mathematics. If kids love music, jump on it. They'll learn mathematics. Get that music teacher involved with the math teacher. Okay, I'm telling you, they love it. Okay? That's a great point, yep. The two go so well together. Okay. It sounds like you really got the school humming and just moving along perfectly, Catherine. And I, I, just, I just want to give a, a plug here as we wind down. NASSP at NASSP.org, the National School Leader Conference, okay, is this July in Denver. Okay. It's called Ignite 2023. Okay. You going to be there? Go on. Are you planning to go? Yes. Yeah, very much. Looking forward to it. Right, yes, great. it's a great you, opportunity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, NASSP is just an incredible organization. Clear, this it year, is. through the award, I've gotten to attend uh, four four different events, and every single time I'm just so grateful for the quality of programming and the, you know, speakers that they bring in. And it really, as an administrator, like you, like, like you pointed out, it can be, um, yeah, we face challenges every day, so it can sometimes be tiring work. And so to get to be with other administrators who really understand our story and our goals and what we're working towards and how challenging it can be sometimes, um, NASSP just does an amazing job of organizing conferences that are really tailored to, you know, reflect, you know, the time of transition that we're in as well as learn from our peers 
and really dive into the challenges and opportunities of leading a school yeah. and, um, you know, that focus of creating really meaningful connections uh, with other administrators. So it's, a, it's just an awesome time um, to be able to be together with other administrators. It really is. And, you know, I, I'm going to ask you one other question. As you know, there's going to be a big exhibit hall, okay, at, at the conference. Okay, there always is. All right. And, and, <laughs> and, you know, the companies that are out there always like to, you know, talk to the principals, find out what's going on. And I'm just curious, when you're purchasing a product or a service, is it, how much is the principal involved in all this? Is, this, is it the principal they need or how, how does that work in your mind as you go through that exhibit hall? They're all dying to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I think as a principal, if we see a product or a um, tool that we feel like is going to really yeah. support or enhance the, the mission or vision that we're working on, I think we can have, you know, we certainly, um, if they bend our ear and we feel passionate about what they have to offer, we can certainly advocate that, advocate for that and, um, and take that back to our district. Good. And our superintendents, yeah. and it often it that is I think the the ear that you want to catch is the administrators who are on the ground who understand the needs of their communities Absolutely. and their schools. Absolutely, thank you. Absolutely, mm-hmm. it's the principals in the trenches. Okay, the the job of that and superintendent are completely different jobs. Okay, and I, I love the way you just said that. It's just real important to go and see these products and get a feel for it. It's important for those products to be shown to these principals. Etc. It's really important in Denver. Do you know if it's going to be a joint thing with NAESP this year? I don't know that. I work with the NAESP all the time too, but I just don't know if it's a joint conference again. You know? Uh, it's not a joint conference. No, it, it, oh, this will all be secondary school principals. Um, and yeah, it's a kind of the premier national conference for secondary school leaders. Absolutely. And absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, re- it, it really is. And I know for a couple of years they combined them. Okay, you know, mm-hmm. and, I, and I thought that was kind of cool as well. So this is just very cool the way it is. Are you speaking there? Are you going to be speaking there, oh, Madam 2022 Assistant Principal of the Year? I'm not speaking at this one, no, but I've had some great opportunities this year, and it's it's been really fun. I just recently was um, in Washington, D.C., getting to recognize and honor the new 2023 Assistant Principals of the Year with all of the state assistant principals were brought together. We got to celebrate them. I got to speak at that event and really Good. recognize. Did you hand the baton? Um, did you hand the baton over? I, I did have to hand the baton, <laughs> yeah. But there you go. <laughs> I'm very excited to welcome it's, it's, the, new, really cool the new team in. Yeah, yeah. and, and, no, and it's what been you cool said team. about the associations, you know, there's 12,000 school districts, and I got to tell people, no matter where you are in the country, you're not in this alone. Okay, and the, mm. these the associations like NASSP for secondary school principals, okay, really do matter. Okay, Catherine, mm-hmm. thank you. I'll let you go have that second or third, maybe fourth cup of coffee. It's early in the day out there. <laughs> okay, but I can't thank oh. you enough for getting up early and being with us. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. Oh, it was my pleasure, Larry. Thank you so much for your interest in I our hope, work. I, um, and, I hope and we talk again. Supporting. And enjoy, yeah, Denver. enjoy Denver. <laughs> okay. okay. Thank you. Thank you, Catherine. Yeah. Bye bye. Bye bye. Wow, she is just terrific. That's Catherine Holden. She was, she is principal of the Talent Oregon Middle School. Okay, and now she was the NASSP 2022 Assistant Principal of the Year. That is no lightweight title, let me tell you. 
You can learn more over at NASSP.org. And I hope if you are a secondary school principal or want to be one or an assistant principal, please go over, check it out. It's it's at NASSP.org. Their conference is called Ignite 2023, and it's going to be in July in Denver, which is not a bad place to be in July. It's always nice there. Okay, we'll archive the show at ace-ed.org. And everything we do over there is over there. All about our American Consortium for Equity and Education, our magazine, all the podcasts, our awards program, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, ace-ed.org. My name is Larry Jacobs. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you, NASSP. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good day.